Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and I appreciate you being here. On today's episode, my guest is Lacey Lane. She is a functional blood work specialist. She is from down in Florida. She is a member of the millennial generation. Lacey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare? Because a functional blood work specialist is something that I'm not familiar with. Okay. So I... I, okay, about me really quickly is that I got into the health and wellness world because my husband has battled leukemia twice and he is, praise the Lord, in remission, doing well. Um, and then I struggled with um, menstrual issues during that time that lasted about six months and could not find help anywhere in the conventional Western medicine world. And so I had to look outside of that, which led me to functional medicine. So I went back to get my um, functional medicine coaching certification. And then from there went on to get a functional blood work specialist. And basically what I do is I help specifically women. Um, I We take all of their labs and it doesn't always have to be blood but that uh, with, okay, if you don't already know, uh, leukemia is a blood cancer. And so I always tell people I learned a whole lot more about blood than any normal human being wants to learn. But I firmly believe that the Lord used that to just grow this love of all things labs, specifically blood work in me. And um, I didn't even know a functional blood work specialist was an option to go and get certified to be, um, but it is. And so I use your labs to look at what is going on inside of your body and then help you get healthy from there. So I don't treat or diagnose or anything like that. Um, I just strictly use your labs to help you, specifically women, get healthy. Okay. So what are the things that you're looking for in the labs? I'm, I'm like with leukemia are they looking for certain like certain cells or are they looking for certain proteins or deficient? Like what is it that you're looking at in blood work? Okay. That's a great question. Um, number one, I don't work with cancer patients right now. That is like further down the road, a dream of mine to work with cancer patients. Um, but what I am looking for, yes, is specifically deficiencies and, and not just deficiencies, but I also want to see where, um, your body, specifically your communication system. So a lot of people, um, call this like the HPA or the HPT axis. I want to know on that axis, what is and is not communicating properly inside of your body. And if we can figure that out, typically we can figure out, um, how to support your body best in order to help it do what it's designed to do, which is to heal itself. Okay. So I've got two questions on that. Number one, okay. I don't do well with acronyms. So HPA, okay. HPT means. Okay. Hypothalamus, which is brain. Okay. Uh, P pituitary. Okay. And T is thyroid. Okay. Um, some people say um, adrenal instead of pituitary. I specifically, 
personally, this is just a personal, I like working more with pituitary because I think that it is very often misdiagnosed in the conventional medicine world as a thyroid issue. And a lot of times it's a pituitary, like for example, TSH is a normal blood marker for anybody that has thyroid issues. They know what TSH is, but oftentimes they don't know that that's actually a pituitary marker and not a thyroid marker. And so I like I like pituitary, not that adrenals aren't important. They fit right in there within the axis. Um, and then we don't use an acronym for the bottom part of that communication system, but um, the bottom part of that communication system is your gut and your liver. And that is another uh, lab, which is called T3, that people often refer to as a thyroid lab is actually um, converted in your gut and your liver. And then it goes out and communicates to every cell in your body. So. Okay. So educate me again, because my other question is when I think about communication, I think nervous system and you say communication and you're talking about thyroid pituitary and those type of things. Talk to me about the, it feels like we're talking about two different types of communication. Help me understand that, please. Okay. They work. Um, together. Okay. <laughs> Definitely work together. I That's another thing in the functional medicine world. We look at your body as a whole, not as in like just your nervous system or just this communication axis, um, but they work together. And again, so T3 goes out and communicates to every cell in your body. And so if it's doing that, then it's obviously communicating with all systems, right? And so that's where it, it all, in, in my opinion, I, I always say in my opinion, and then I like caveat that with like a very educated opinion. Sure. <laughs> um, T3 is, I, I think is like the mastermind cell in our bodies that goes out because it literally communicates with every cell and um, tells it what's going on. And if that is off, then of course you can have issues, right? With your nervous system and things like that, because um, there's something off in the communicate that what I call the communication, which is your HPT axis okay. to start with, if that makes sense. Okay. So I'm, I'm not a medical person and maybe the medical people that are listening are like, Rob, you're just, you're just not educated enough to understand this. But when you say it communicates, what is the message that it's communicating? Is it communicating how to process? Yeah. And I guess I'll just leave it open to you. What is it communicating to every cell? How does it communicate? So it takes hormones and converts them and then sends them to the next chain, like the next area in that chain, like the next uh, converter, if you will. Okay. So like your hypothalamus sends hormones to pituitary, pituitary sends hormones to thyroid, thyroid sends hormones to gut and liver. Okay. And then it just goes back up the food chain, right? From your gut and liver. If it's going out and communicating with every cell, it's going back up and talking to your hypothalamus again. And that's where oftentimes we find lots of chronic issues okay. happen that way because over time what happens, let's say, okay, let's say your pituitary gives off a, an incorrect number of um, your TSH because you have stress or inflammation going on inside of your body. So the, cells or the hormones would then go to your, uh, excuse me, would go from your pituitary to your thyroid. And then your thyroid would have an incorrect number because something is going on to mess with your pituitary gland. 
whether it's stress or inflammation, something of that nature. Uh, and then it goes from your thyroid, right? An incorrect number is now it's being, TSH is being converted in your thyroid and going T2, T4. And then it's going to your gut and liver. But at that point, it's a, again, an incorrect number of what it should be for a healthy body functioning properly. Okay. It goes to your gut and liver. Your T4 is then converted to free T3 and your T3 goes out to your entire body and communicates. And then once that goes back up to your hypothalamus again, it just gets off all the way down the food chain because it doesn't, our bodies are great at healing themselves, but when there are things like inflammation and stress that get in the, the way of that over time, chronically, that can start to mess up that communication system. And that's when people, that's when bigger issues happen and for everyone that looks different. And so that's why we like to look at labs because then we can go in and kind of take and see where things are going incorrectly. Got it. Well, thank you very much for explaining. I'm not sure if I completely get it yet, but it's all good. Usually, no. Okay, I'll say this. Usually whenever I explain this, I have like either a whiteboard or I have like a slideshow that I've made okay. so you can see it all. I'm not very good. I'm learning to do this better on podcasts, like to explain it better. I'm not very good at explaining it without my visuals. <laughs> it's, it's quite okay. Uh, what does quality healthcare mean to you? Okay, I did a lot of thinking on this question, and I think truly quality healthcare is just patient-centered. I think we have gotten so far away from that, and and I'm speaking from experience of doctors just brushing me off to the side, just here's medication, send you back on your merry way. And I think when we really have the time, that's one of the things that I love about what I do is I actually get to sit down and spend time with my clients to learn what is going on, all of their health struggles that they've had that people haven't listened to. Um, I get to sit down and and listen and hear what's actually going on, not just in their life, but in their health, in their whole health journey. And they're not just filling out, um, you know, when when did you have your last surgery or how many surgeries have you had? And when was the last time you had your, um, like, your shots or your, you know, like I, it's not just like a, a history of that nature, but it's a history of like, I want to know if you've had trauma in your past. Mm. I want to know, you know, all the things, um, because they are all very relevant to our current health situation, especially when I'm, you know, working with women who have chronic health issues, it's all very relevant to their state that they're currently in. And so I think just being very patient centered and, not just brushing people off or trying to rush people in as fast as we can, you know, give them that 15 minute time slot in a doctor's office, but really give them time to tell us what's going on with them and listen and then work from there versus the opposite. Okay. Uh, Can you give me an example of quality healthcare? Okay. That's a great question. Um, this is a hard one for me because I've seen a lot of not quality healthcare in my mm. lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, don't feel bad about that because th- there are many people, when I ask this question, their immediate response is they come back with the, this is what it doesn't look like. So right. uh, you're not alone in that. But part of, part of what I'm looking for on this podcast is to say, we all have horror stories about bad things that have happened. Let's, Let's let go of the horror stories. Let's find out who's doing it right and how do we model their behavior. So 
that's that's the context okay. that we're framing it within. Okay, so with that, I had a um, an OBGYN during my second pregnancy, um, and this will be a little bit of um, the bad and the good. Sure. Uh, I went to the ER. I had I was pregnant with twins, and I went to the ER. One of them was lodged in my fallopian tube, and I was pretty far along in the pregnancy, um, but the doctors in the ER thought I started bleeding internally and they, for some reason thought that after having a sonogram and everything, we actually heard, uh, I was not going to be emotional. We heard that baby's heartbeat that night because mm-hmm. they did, um, an ultrasound before like trying to figure out what was going on with my body. Some, uh, obviously I was not doing well. Um, but we heard the heartbeat and maybe an hour later, the tube ruptured and I was bleeding internally, but they thought that it was my gallbladder. I have no idea why they even thought it was my gallbladder. By that point, I was completely out of it. Um, I mean, completely out of it. I had lost like four liters of blood. It, no, three liters of blood. Something crazy like that. I'm trying to remember exactly how sure. many. It was a lot. Like they, they told some of my family members to come in and like they might want to say their final goodbyes. Like it, wow. they were rushing and like I, I just remember them rolling me down the hall one lady dropped a bag of blood they were trying to give me blood transfusion it was like a crazy night sure but then this OBGYN came in on her off hours and as they were rolling me into the OR to take my gallbladder out um I remember like her and the the other doctor standing at the foot of the bed and I remember her saying I think I know what this is please let me take it from here and for whatever reason, he let her take it from there, and she went in. My the my son now was she saved him, and um, you know fixed the tubal rupture, and that's exactly she thought that's what it was, and uh, that is what it ended up being. And so she wouldn't have known that though if she was not very patient centered. She is one of she's a conventional Western medicine doctor, but. Anybody in the town that I grew up in wanted her as their OBGYN because she really, truly cared about her patients. Like with that call that she got, um, they were just calling her to get her advice that night because I was her patient uh, in the ER and she came anyway because she knew what was going on. She just had a feeling because she knew my history Uh, She had walked with me through my other pregnancy, which was also a complicated pregnancy. Anyway, all that to say, I feel like that is a good example of uh, she's just very patient-centered, focused, and she knew her patients. And she was not one to just rush you in and out. She took her time to really get to know her patients and cared. Excellent. Okay, so we have five minutes, and we still have three questions to go. So uh, no problem. What do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? Um, what do I wish they understood? That if they have chronic issues, that there is hope for them. And mm. people like me and other functional medicine practitioners and health coaches uh, can help. And they don't have to continuously keep going to the doctor and be told everything looks fine and then go back home defeated. And and that's where I was defeated and just feeling like there's no hope for them. You know, it's really interesting to hear you say that because what you're talking about is the emotional and psychological side of having a chronic illness, which Mm -hmm. you may lose hope and the feeling like I'm never going to get better. There is no hope. Nobody Mm -hmm. hears what I'm saying, or there is no treatment for what I'm going through. And so your example of 
patient-centered care is to say, let's look at the entire patient. And this is something we address the health needs, but in addressing the health needs, it also gives the emotional and psychological support, which is so valuable and and necessary uh, in yeah. what we're talking about. So excellent. Uh, what excites you about the future of healthcare? Okay, this is a fun one because I, my sister uh, goes to that same OBGYN clinic and she had appointments last or last week with her OBGYN and her PCP. And both of them were talking to her about functional medicine because mm-hmm. she was telling them, well, this is what my sister told me. And they're like, yeah, I think your sister is like spot on. Um, and I think the more, and the reason I use that example is because the more I'm talking to other healthcare professionals and like in this world and the deeper I get into the functional medicine world, the more I see conventional doctors, nurses, health coaches, all of the above, any sort of practitioner in that area are recognizing that there needs to be a change. And I think that change is slowly but surely coming. And um, I always say that working in tandem with Western medicine and functional medicine, like right in the middle is like the perfect mold of healthcare. And I, I feel like we're moving in that direction. It's just slowly but surely, but we are moving in that direction. So that's exciting. Yeah. What you say is that they're not mutually exclusive. It's not like you have to go the conventional route and eschew anything that is, you know, non-traditional or that you have to go the non-traditional route and jettison everything that is more conventional, that the two of them can coexist Mm -hmm. and in doing so can provide a broader range of healthcare options and healthcare treatments that, you know, really do meet the needs of the patient. Would, have mm-hmm. I properly summarized that? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I, I like to tell people that the Western medicine world is really, really good at acute healthcare, mm-hmm. and the functional medicine world is really, really good at um, the chronic side of healthcare, mm-hmm. and we all need both at some points in our life. And so that's a, when they work together, it's a wonderful thing. Okay, so our your answer to this previous question kind of makes me wonder if I already know what the answer to my final question is. And that is, uh, what is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? Okay. My big, big final answer is to just be patient centered and stop worrying about the time that they're sitting in there with somebody or figuring out, going in with the mindset of, uh, just throwing a medication at somebody. I think if we really were more patient-centered and patient-focused, healthcare would change massively and drastically. Okay. And let me, because you were talking about the fact that your husband had leukemia, mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like being family-centered as well, realizing mm-hmm. that the patient, we talked about a holistic view of the patient but understanding that the patient doesn't exist in a vacuum, that there are relationships and family members and a broader group of people that are affected by this diagnosis. What are your, what are your thoughts to being not just patient centered, but being family centered as well? Uh, I think that goes into being patient centered. That's something we actually have like a a holistic health wheel that we kind of follow and relationships is actually one of the big pillars of functional medicine uh we want to know how your relationships are and a lot and oftentimes like even like when i meet with clients i typically want 
their spouse to meet with us at least in one of those meetings or, you know, their caregiver, whoever that main support person is, because I, we obviously in the functional medicine world, we feel like that is extremely important. And so to answer your question, I think you're spot on with that, that relationships play a huge role in it. And it's very important. Excellent. All right. Well, listen, Lacey, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time. You've given us some insights and I respect your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit perspectivesonhealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.